It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. In today's show, we're doing an ADP battle with Dan Bresbus of Hootball, Michael Bolton. Let's get to it. To it. Let's get to it. Indeed. You are locked on fantasy basketball. Your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore B-Ball and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Like I said, we're doing an ADP battle. Did one of these last year. We're going to do a few of them this year. And that is, I just get other fantasy basketball people on. We go, here is a pick number. Here are two players. Let's debate which side of the coin we want. Which guy would we take at that spot? Um, and today we're going to be doing it with Dan Besbris of Hoopball. So let's uh, let's get Dan in. Here he is, Dan Besbris of Hoopball. Dan, does anyone ever call you Danny? Um, my my dad's mom, who's my only remaining grandparent, calls me Danny, and that's pretty much it. Although I have no problem. I, I'm like you can call me Danny if you like. It's kind of nice. It's colloquial. It's friendly. Let's go, Danny. What we're going to do here in the, in this one, Danny, is we're going to have a look at um, yeah, selections across the fantasy basketball sphere, certain picks in a draft, and we've got a couple of blokes at each spot, and we're going to we're going to give our our opinions on, on those guys. And the first one I want to look at here is pick eight. So we're at pick eight, Danny, and Luka Doncic <laughs> is on the board, and Jason Tatum is on the board. Which uh, which way are you going? You know what I should have asked before I even sent you any of my numbers? Uh, what uh, what format are we talking about here? Uh, look, I, to me, it's it's always going to be head-to-head, and I treat 9-cat and 8-cat the same. So that's uh, that, that's how we're looking. So if you can use it whatever format you like, but I'm, I'm treating those two the same. Okay, so uh, in the list that you have that I sent, I had Jason Tatum at 8, but you know me, I'm more of a roto guy overall. I think if we flip this over to head-to-head, I might go the Luca side. I might take team Luca and change my opinion just because, you know, I, I was talking to Adam stock recently who, who really does a nice job with, with various punt strategies. And he always talks about how in head to head, you can just be like kind of bad at turnovers and then win them half the time. But at the same time, at the beginning of a draft, that's your opportunity to get those giant counting stat kind of guys. So in head to head, I probably do lean Luca there, but for the sake of argument, I'll make a case for Jason Tatum as as my guy in that range. I think he's super durable, which is going to be a big deal in a shortened 72-game season. Luka, obviously the massive usage with Porzingis, who's set to miss time at the beginning of the year, is just going to put a lot of pressure on a guy that we I think we pretty visibly saw tire as last season wore on. And, and I don't know that that won't necessarily happen again because he didn't really get any massive additional help and i don't know that he ever will he's he's going to be the focal point there so 
uh, give me the few extra games you get out of Jason Tatum. That's my reasoning for leaning his direction here. But I, I you know, and, and I'm sure I'm taking words out of your mouth a little bit. There's a lot of reasons to like Luca here. You know, giant threes, giant points, giant rebounds, giant assists. You just you can't rack those up later. Uh, and in head-to-head leagues, those are key because you want to win a lot of the counting stats. Um, you know, as long as you can stay healthy. They're, they're a little more stable week to week. The reason I wanted to go with, with this pick here is uh, there are so many people, Dan, I'm sure you get people asking you this as well, saying, yeah, I, I want to pick Luca at one. I want to pick Luca at two, and, and I don't get it. To me, this is the right area for, for Doncic, um, but people, we talked about this on your show, uh, which we recorded before this, which is going to come out after it, but I'll, I'll give a bit of a <laughs> give a bit of a, a spoiler on it. We talked about you know, people disregard the, the, the some of the defensive stats that, that guys put up, and that's why I wouldn't have Luca in that area. But sell me, like, you sold me on Tatum with the games played. I think people are looking at that little post-All-Star break run that he had last year and expect, expecting that to continue over, and it was great. But I'm, I'm not as convinced as him being just a, a rock-solid here guy at number, number eight because he, he, he shot like 47% from three in that, uh, in that period of time, and nobody uh, should be expecting that unless you're Joe Harris or a JJ Redick. Or even a Davis Bertans, like you shouldn't be projecting that for for somebody, especially on the uh, quality of shots or the the difficulty of shots. Maybe that's that's more of the the, the question there with Tatum that he's going to have to take. So, um, I, I'll be taking Luca here every day of the week. I'm not that worried about the, the turnovers. People know that I, I just, literally whatever format, I, I do not care. It just just punt them all the way out out of there. And people will argue, and maybe you argue this as well, in, in a nine-cat road, oh, yeah, but it counts. Yeah, it does. But then when the bottom four guys stop caring about their roster, they get points 12, 11, 10, and nine in that category. So you're not, you know, the, the teams that are good at turnovers are going to max out at eight points. They're not going to max out at 12 points. So you've already got an advantage there. So it's like if you have a one in turnovers, it's like having a four or like having a five pretty much in any other category. So you're not actually down the bottom because those bottom teams stop caring. They stop setting their lineups. And therefore, if you don't play players, Dan, your um your turnovers go down. So that's why yeah, I don't care I, about you know, that there. My my defense of that is I, I don't know that you need to be the best in turnovers. I don't know that trying to win it in nine-cat roto is the best move because you're going to be missing out on oh, a lot you, of guys. You, you can't do that. Points. Yeah, you'll, you'll get killed. You'll end up with a team... Uh, that gets no scoring, you get no assists. A team filled with Marvin Williamses. Yeah, which is great. Which is great. Don't get me wrong. I I will always love my guy Marvin. But you're going to lose a lot of categories that way. You win a couple, but you're going to lose a lot of them. I think it's it's kind of it's similar. To what I was just saying on the 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 head to head element where you, you don't want to be awful. You don't want to be the worst at the category. I think maybe you just click that up two more notches and say, look, I want to be okay at turnovers in my nine cat roto league. I want to be all right at it because it, you know, maybe I, maybe I'm in a struggle for first or second place with a team that's just sub okay. And that's a two point swing there. So yeah, those do those, bo- those bottom teams do fall out and you're never going to be the best. Uh, but I think there's a balance to strike where, you know, you can try to get a couple two, maybe three extra points and turnovers that can go a long way. That said, looping it all the way back around to our discussion here. In head-to-head, you're going to be streaming at the end of the season anyway. So you're probably going to be actively trying to lose turnovers in your head-to-head playoffs by getting those extra games. So, you know, early on, there isn't that big of a reason to focus on it. So I think, you know, head-to-head with playoff format, the the argument to Luca makes a lot more sense. Roto, I think I can convince myself to stay on, on Team Tatum. 
But this is, I mean, this is pretty close in my estimation. This is sort of format dependent. That sounds like Josh won Danny zero. So let's go on to number two. Yeah, <laughs> uh, at pick number twenty. As long as my name is Danny, I'm going to <laughs> at, at pick twenty nine. Right. Let's. These are all just hypothetical numbers that honestly I pulled out of my ass and yeah, put those picks up there. But I uh, give them out there. Pick number twenty nine. Uh, the big avocado, Andre Drummond. He's sitting there, as is uh, Drew Holiday. Now. Dan, we know that Drummond has some uh, free throw percentage issues. Again, narratives do take hold a lot of the time. And people, and he, oh God, to be honest, I fell for this a little bit as well. Man, he was trashing Cleveland. He was terrible. He was so bad. They didn't play him. And you look at his last four games and he had like you know, 28 and 17 in cross like four games or something crazy like that as they started to play him more. There is no Tristan Thompson. JaVale McGee isn't a threat. I'm big on Drummond at this point. Maybe they trade him. There's this nonsense rumor they're going to sit him in back-to-backs. I, I don't really buy that. He's he's like he's 26 years old. He's not old at all. I don't think that's going to be the case. Maybe he does get traded. But the concerns I have for Drew Holiday in terms of Budenholzer and his um, minutes preservation that he goes through. Drew played 35 a night last year. There is zero chance of that happening this year would be my guess. Plus, playing with better teammates in Chris Middleton and Yanni is going to impact uh, Holiday. So I would take Drummond here every day of the week. I have Holiday significantly lower than you do. So sell me on why I should be looking at Drew as a third round guy. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yeah, you know, I, it's probably a little bit early. Um, I'm, I'm thinking of it more in my mind as Drew Holiday is probably that point guard you end up with if you had a pick on the turn and you didn't end up with any point guards in the first or second round. Cause that's a, it's a weird spot. And I know I'm getting a little bit off topic here, but I promise I'll, I'll, I'll circle it back around to what we were actually talking about. If you're pick 11, pick 12, you're going to be in this bunch in the first, second round, largely of wings, guys like Kevin Durant, yep. uh, LeBron, Kawhi is falling that far. Um, I know Beal's not a traditional wing, but he sort of gets into that mix. Devin Booker, sort of a, a shooting guard, but he does get some assists. Paul George is in there. Uh, there, there really aren't any traditional point guards in that range. And so I think when you get towards the end of the third, this is more uh, where you're thinking, all right, I got to get somebody in there. Is it going to be Kyle Lowry? Is it going to be Freddie Van Fleet? Is it going to be uh, Drew Holiday? And I, I think among those guys, which I realize isn't the discussion point here, I know, uh, you look more in the Drew Holiday direction. I think you know his non-scoring, non-usage stats are, are going to be able to float him a little bit where some of those other guys maybe won't. But you're right. I, I can't argue with the fact that his minutes will be going down from probably 35 to 30. That's a big drop-off for a guy who was already s- sort of cruising along in that thirty low 30s range, mid-30s range last year. So there's likely a drop-off coming. I think with him, one of the things I do like is that he'll play. He's going to be in the ball games this year. They might rest him intermittently, but it's not going to be like the Pels where they could just yank him for X number of days and you know call it a stomach ailment. And I like this season having that 10th category. Now, uh, on the Andre Drummond side, he is a guy, I think, that, like you said, has been beaten to death by 
a couple of bad weeks in Cleveland where they were resting him. They had, like you said, Tristan Thompson, Kevin Love, Larry Nance. All of these guys were all fighting for center minutes. I think they're all going to get kind of as much as they can handle this year. And most importantly, this is a contract year for Drummond. He opted in to try to make a, a splash this season. And honest to goodness, I can't even figure out where I put him on my list. I think I have him probably too low. Uh, he probably deserves to be a little closer to where we're talking about here. But if I'm going to really try to sell you on this, um, I'm going to I'm going to give you the Andre Drummond could get moved. And I don't even believe what I'm saying right now, but I'm going to say it. Uh, maybe he gets moved midseason. Maybe they do take it easy on him because they're not a playoff team. Give me the holiday durability by a couple of games Drummond probably does outperform Drew on a per game basis this year. There's so much for me to unpack there. And, and I love that you yeah. brought up that the holiday uh, durability thing, because literally two years ago, maybe even a year ago, never drafting this guy. He's always hurt. His leg, it's cooked. He's always injured. Uh, Dan, you're not going to believe this, but I've had multiple people say, oh, I can't draft Carl Anthony Towns. He's too injury prone. It's, After one year? This guy never missed a game. Literally never missed a game. <laughs> Didn't miss a game until last year. And this is how quickly narratives change. And I'm not you know, having a go at you here for saying that Drew Holiday is durable because I don't believe in the injury proneness if you've got a, unless you've got a degenerative type condition. But the, the fact that the narrative changes so quickly is amazing to me. And I agree with you. I, I think Drummond is probably a chance to get traded this year. And I also think this is my hot take on Andre Drummond. I, I I think that you said you know, he opted in so he could cash in next year. I think he opted in because no one's going to pay him that. And I don't think he is an NBA starter for very long. Maybe maybe next year's his last year as a starter. Maybe not. Mm. I, I think he might be in real trouble as being a full-time NBA starter after this year. So we'll see how that goes. But uh, for this year, uh, I think he's going to play pretty big minutes. Uh, I think that he's going to end. And like I pulled a number out of my ass before as well, saying that he had a 28 and 17 game. He actually did have a 28 and 17 game and a 27 and 13 game with four steals and a 21 and seven game with two steals and a block. That were his last three for Cleveland in uh, 36, 33 and 35 minutes. So that they're only playing him 23 minutes a night. And even in those games where they played him 23 minutes a night, he had three consecutive double doubles. So his numbers were pretty good, and yeah, the, the, the minutes are going back up, but uh, I've sold people enough on Andre Drummond. 2-0, Josh. Let's go to the next one, and uh, pick I'll number... <laughs> pick, pick number 45, Dan. We've got a couple of guards here. I'm going with D'Angelo Russell, and you're looking at Buddy Heald. They're the two guys we're looking Ooh. at at this spot. Okay. Buddy Heald. All right, all right. All right, let's go. Got, Sell me on Buddy Heald. Okay, I got this one. I'm I'm coming in with my best with my best weapons on this one. Okay, uh, give me an Alvin Gentry offense in Sacramento. I know that yes. they are prone to screwing things up, but I love it. I love that he's in there because anything that almost anyone can take away uh, from the purview of Luke Walton is a good thing oh, in yeah. Sacramento. So that's a number one. Bogdan Bogdanovich being gone, the primary threat to Heald's minutes last year, you know, outside of whatever was going on, sort of locker room stuff may have actually been the biggest threat to his minutes last season, and and they did take a hit. Uh, for Buddy Heald, this is just about reestablishing who he is in the NBA. Last season, I thought was a worst-case scenario for him. He was number 71 by averages, which I realize is is not good, uh, that is if you include bubble games, by the way. I think if you pull them out, he was just ever so slightly better because he, he had lost his playing time to Bogdan by the end of the year. I think he was in the 60s, mid-60s on a per game. Uh, I'm, I'm going to come back to durability again. He played in 64 pre-bubble games. And so by totals, 
He was actually in the 40s last year in what was, again, kind of a worst-case scenario for Buddy. If he stays healthy this year, there are going to be upticks in almost every important statistical category. You're going to see more shots. You're going to see, I think, an improved field goal percent as they get him out in transition a little bit more. Very good foul shooter. Uh, I like Buddy Heald a lot this year. I think he has the year this season that a lot of folks wanted him to have last year when he was getting drafted in the 40s. Uh, I, I really like him at this spot a lot. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I don't like him. Case closed. Um, nah, it's... <laughs> I, I, tell, I tell you why. Okay, so you, you say all these things, they're going to go up. That's fine. He played 31 minutes a night last year. So even though he was benched, he still played 31 minutes a night. And it did, again, it's a bit of the post-All-Star break narrative discussion that we remember him playing 26 a night, where his usage actually went through the roof. And he shot unbelievably in that role coming off the bench. Like His numbers were out of control and good in that role. I think that he plays more than he did in that post-benching to Bogdan Bogdanovich section of the season. But I wouldn't be thinking 32 a night. I think Tyrese Halliburton's a significantly better fit Next to De'Aaron Fox, I also think that... No, not I think. I know that Buddy Hill doesn't like the coach. The coach doesn't like him. The front <laughs> office doesn't like him. No, they, don't like, no, they don't like each other. They don't like each other. And Hill's value comes from give him shots and he needs volume. He's a good free throw shooter. Actually, he's a great free throw shooter, Dan. He just doesn't take him. He just doesn't get to the line. What did he average? 1.9 free throws a game. That is putrid. That is a very, very low free throw rate. So... You can shoot 100% if you want, but if you get in there one time a game, it doesn't actually have that much of an impact in fantasy. Um, I could be wrong. He could start and play 34 minutes a night and become a focal point of the offense. There is, I think there's zero chance of that, but he could see more minutes. I just think that he's going to play a, a role that's more in line with what he, probably more than what he did at the end of last season, but he still played the 31 minutes a night last season, so I'm not sure... Um, that he's going to get to that number. I've got D'Angelo Russell here. Now, I feel like I'm higher than, on D'Angelo than a lot of people. Um, people are just like, well, Ricky Rubio's there. Um, yeah, Anthony Edwards, Malik Beasley. Like they, they made horrible decisions consistently. If we're going to talk about the Kings, we're going to talk about the Wolves here. And they are building things around D'Angelo Russell. They didn't take LaMelo Ball because of the fit with D'Angelo Russell. Because oh, why would we want a point guard? We've got one here. So they're not trading for Ricky Rubio so that they can just... You limit what D'Angelo Russell does or take him off the ball. They believe that Russell and Towns are the future of this team. Um, so I don't really see how he's changing significantly from last year where you know he had the ball a lot. Now, I know he didn't play at all with Kyle Anthony Towns and he's got to be some adjustment there in terms of usage, but they are going to feature him quite a bit. So why are you down on him? You know, I'm, I'm not. So I, maybe I should clarify. He is in my next bucket down okay. from where we are right now. So I'm not particularly low on Russell. I have him, you know, I, I sent you a list of guys in sort of chunks of six or so, six to ten. Uh, and and D'Angelo's in the next one. So I, I only have him about a half round to two-thirds of a round behind Buddy Heald. I actually like D'Angelo Russell. He's been a guy that I've kind of clobbered in the past uh, because for the first few years of his career, he wasn't able to stay on the court. He had that knee stuff going on. 
that he seems to have mostly moved beyond. Uh, like you said, he is the building block there. He and Cat are extremely close. I think they're going to be sort of playing happy, even if they ultimately get their butts kicked on a lot of nights. Um, I think he has his, probably his, well, he had a good year in Brooklyn a few years back, but this could be his best statistical season. Uh, so I, I do like him a lot. This is probably the first year I've kind of been in on Russell, but I'm just not quite as high as you are on him. He, I have him about two-thirds of a round lower. Yeah, I've got him as a, as a pretty clear you know, start of the fourth, probably third-round guy. Uh, I honest, Look, I, I don't think he's actually that good of a player. I think they made a horrible mistake, you know, banking on him to be the future point guard of this team. I, I would have rather... Oh, yeah, they're going to lose a lot. Oh, yeah, look, he's not, look, he's not a good in winning, impacting player, but... For a one-season fantasy league, I don't actually give a shit because they're going to give him those minutes. <laughs> he's going to play. He's going to have the ball. They're going to make their mistakes that they make all the time. And he's going to put up the numbers. And in the end, it's not going to work. But that doesn't really matter when we look forward from here. So uh, I've got D'Angelo. You've got Buddy here. Let's call that one a tie. Uh, so let's uh, let's make it. <laughs> That's fine. I'm moving in the right direction here. My boat's, my boat's turning. Let's go to one pick later. Again, random numbers that we're choosing. Danny, pick number 46. Christian Wood, the crucifix, he's on the board. Toby Harris is on is on the board. You are going which direction? Yeah, that's the big surprise for everybody here. I'm sure. Um, I, I like Christian Wood too. Um, so I don't I don't want anybody to misinterpret this. But I got to go with my guy here, Tobias Harris. He you can you can walk into his his fantasy numbers on an annual basis. Um, you know, Tobias. Like you said before, things can turn on a dime. Things could change for him where maybe this is the year where injuries start to creep in. But he has been, I would argue, the most durable NBA player over the last half decade. He's missed missed two games in four years. Yeah. So that one, I think we can probably call less than a short-term trend and and call it a, a full thing. Look, Tobias Harris is not exciting oh, at okay. all. I'm, I'm glad you said that. I'm glad you said that. He he is literally, literally the so most bo- the most boring player, so which boring. is fine for fantasy. But he is the most boring player. Um, yeah. He just is there. If there is a player where you go, can you give me average stats of every category? <laughs> that is what he does, and that is that is why he is just consistently in this area. He is, and I, you don't have to draft for excitement, but he is boring as shit. Yep, the most boring fantasy player arguably in the NBA, and it's why I have him every year. Last season, he played in every single game the Sixers had. And and I want to make one distinction, and I do this on my own show sometimes. That's not that important if you have a a top 120 guy who's playing every game. That's an artificially inflated totals number. But if you have a guy like Tobias Harris who's putting up, you know, 55 range stuff on a night-to-night basis and plays in 65 out of 65 games last year, he ended up at number 24 pre-bubble by totals. That's a second-round guy, and I just I can't pass up extraordinary value like that. He's always going to be there in the fifth, sixth round, and he's always going to beat it. I just boring as it may be, I, I'm I just am happy with taking an easy win at this spot. Where look, I'm not going to really argue that Christian Wood isn't going to have a great season. I'm a little worried about what the hell's going on with Harden and then the Boogie Wood front court fit. But he's going to put up numbers. I mean, we know Christian Wood from a fantasy standpoint. He has a succulent fantasy stat set. Uh, but it's not a guaranteed win in my estimation. And Tobias Harris is is a gimme. He's a tap-in. And so I'm, I'm just always going to take my tap-ins. 
I was hoping that you were going to say, you know, to- Toby had his best season ever under Doc Rivers, so therefore I'm expecting a jump up, which is true but also false. So I'm glad yeah, you didn't say. I'm glad you didn't. I'm glad you didn't say that because that is a. Uh, it's one of those things. That, well, cool. He was the number one option in LA, and he's not that in Philadelphia. But you're right in terms of just reliability, boringness. Like he's fine there. Um, I'm pretty sure the Cousins will be coming off the bench behind Wood. Wood's going to be getting 30-plus a night. Um, he has his off-court issues and concentration problems. But I'm all about him in that round three, round four type area. And if Harden goes, I think it only improves what Wood can do in this area. And look, Cousins even had the, the statement yesterday, which I thought was fantastic, that uh, he's just out there wanting Wood to get better every day. And Dan, you know, who, who among us hasn't wanted uh, Wood? Uh, who, who among us hasn't wanted better Wood? Yeah, most days of our life. Like that's just something that yeah. we're all we're all striving for. And uh, Boogie just, just came to get out. Better, Josh. Just, just all- <laughs> trying to get better every day. We all want to improve our wood, and Cousins is no uh, no different with that. So I'm I'm happy to take him here. I'm just I think there's even at 46. I think there's still upside in wood. I'm I'm not sure there is on a per game basis. There's not for Harris. I understand the totals argument with him, but there's no. I don't think there's any per game upside there for for Toby at pick number 46. Pick number 60. I don't even know. Can I jump in yeah, real quick? Yeah, you can. I don't even know that I would take him at 46. I think that's probably closer to where he finishes. You can probably wait and take him in the 60s. That You can absolutely take him in the 60s. And I think that's that's a pretty good value spot to have in there. But I, I put it at 46 because you had him ahead of Christian Wood, and I wanted to argue Christian Wood ahead of him. So let's, uh, Danny, let's go on to the next one. We're at pick number 60. My mate, Maximum Derek White. Maximum Derek. And uh, Clint Capella at number 60. Uh, I included this one because I'm high on Derek White, who honestly looked like an absolute star in the bubble. Yes, it's limited games, but he was launching from three. And Popovich, it felt like something clicked. It felt like Popovich said, kids, you know, close your ears. He said, I don't give a fuck anymore. Like, guys, just do whatever. Like, young guys, 30 minutes, bomb from threes. I do not care. Just do shit that's fun because we're living in the midst of a pandemic where the whole world's burning down, guys, just go and do shit that's fun. And I think that I think that's from everything I hear from the Spurs, it's going to carry over again. Now he is coming into the season with a toe injury, and he's probably going to miss in you know, the first couple of games. They don't consider that serious, so I'm a little bit worried there. And I probably wouldn't take Derek White at sixty. I don't have to take him at sixty, but I'm pretty confident I take him ahead of Clint Capella because Danny, I am a little worried about Capella. The moves that the Hawks made, while they don't bode well for John Collins, you could say they equally don't bode as well for Clip Capella. Drafting yeah, a Nye- I, drafting a Nye- Nye- Kongu. Right. Yeah, you draft a Kongu, uh, and then you sign Gallinari. And we can say, that, well, that's bad for Collins. It also means, well, maybe they want Collins to play more at center. Um, so Capella was a top 30, top 40 guy with the Rockets. Because he played 33 minutes a night, and I, I just cannot see him getting to that. I don't hate him at pick 60. I would just take wide ahead of him. Can you convince me that Capella's going to have a, a great season? Because I'm a, I'm a little worried about how that's all going to play out. And he's not a guy that needs oh. usage. It's just about opportunity, really. Yeah, I can't I can't convince you he's going to have a great season. I think I might be able to convince you he's going to have a decent season yeah. Oh, yeah. and uh, you know, at this point that's sort of all I need out of him. Uh, like you mentioned last year, that's a high watermark. He was number 22 before his injury at 14 and 14, two blocks, almost a steal, 63% from the field. That's not happening. He's not going to get 33 minutes of uncontested center action on the Hawks, but I do think they need him on the floor for some minutes. I think we're looking at somewhere in the 27, 28 range at a minimum. I think he could even climb towards 30 because the rest of those guys aren't really, I know John Collins got some blocks last year, but as a rim protector, he's not a good defender. Uh, yeah. He's, he's a roster six, nine, right? So in real life, he's probably more like six, seven, 
they're going to need someone with some athleticism around the rim. So I, th- I think that gives Capella some wiggle room. So let's pull 10 to 15% of his numbers away. It still keeps him in decent shape, 12 and 12, maybe one and a half blocks. He's not going to be a top 25 per game guy, but I could still see him inside the top 50 on a per game. So once you get down into this range where, you know, you're ta- even top 60, if he held on to that, you're still talking about a net positive here. So I, with for me, I do think Capella takes a step back this season. I think there's almost no arguing that. There's just actual, I mean, the Rockets' backup center, who became their starting center, was P.J. Tucker after he got traded. That's not quite the case in Atlanta. Um, but Capella's getting drafted in the 60s, 70s, 80s, and at that point, I'm thinking, look, this is similar to the Tobias Harris thing. A lot would have to go wrong for him not to beat that mark. I like Derek White a lot, too. So I don't want, you know, the, I, I, this is one where I have some positives on both. Like you said, the toe thing scares me a little bit in a shortened season. I'm trying to more or less write off guys that come into the year hurt, which might cost me. I mean, that might cause me to miss out on a couple of interesting players. But I just I think you got to get off to a fast start this season because things can go awry so quick. I'm already a super cautious fantasy basketball guy. And this year I'm clicking it all the way to 11. So Give me the more cautious play here. Much as I love Derek White and his bubble performance was brilliant. Uh, if he falls to me, maybe around two rounds later, I'm all over it. Uh, but in this range, I want to take the guy that I, I feel more confident can just sort of coast into decent numbers. Uh, and here, that's Capella. Well, Yahoo changed Derek White's rank from like 110 into 72, uh, curiously, uh, after the injury news. So I'm not, <laughs> not, not sure where they got, yeah. uh, which is, it's pretty close to where I had him initially. Um, but yeah, they've, they've moved him in, into that area. So that, that's fine with them. The Capella one, I think a discrepancy comes in. I do not give a shit about turnovers at all. And part of where he gets into that top 30, top 20 range is because he doesn't turn the ball over because he doesn't touch the ball. So that's why I don't care for him in terms of at that level. I've got him in, in the 80s. I think in the 70s, he's fine. He's, he's going to play an important role with defense. But I just think you know, when you're losing five, six minutes off from what he was doing the year before, it is it is a big fall off. And we need to be aware of that being something that is somewhat of a concern, I think, with Capella. But we'll see how that one goes. We'll call that a tie as well. Danny, <laughs> next one. We're at pick number 80. I'm getting, one. I'm getting the last one. I think the last one is where I get you. All right. Let's, I'll, maybe, maybe we'll give you this one because we're at pick number 80 here. Um, mm. Perennial disappointment Aaron Gordon is on the board. And um, perennial, not perennial, um, I guess new guy to the club of thinking he's significantly better than he is, Jeremy Grant, is, uh, <laughs> is on the board. We're at pick 80 here. I... I think that Grant thinks he's significantly better than he is. Obviously, I just said that. Um, but I'd take him at number 80 over Aaron Gordon because if Tobias Harris is the most boring player in fantasy, geez, Aaron Gordon's not far behind. Uh, but it, Gordon is... Harris is boringly consistent. Uh, Gordon is boringly disappointing. Yeah, Aaron Gordon has been... I, I feel like I need to do a little background on this one. Um, for folks that have not followed me, I have been as adamantly, staunchly anti-Aaron Gordon for the last three years as anybody. I've I've crushed him with all of my podcasting might, which, mind you, was nominal, but I did it. Um, I think this is the year, and this is maybe it's the weird offseason. I, I don't know what's causing this. We're finally seeing... Some of these players that needed to be soured on years ago are finally being soured on. Blake Griffin is another interesting example of a guy who finally now is getting drafted 40, 50 slots later, which needed to happen 
you know, two, three, four years ago. And, and it's starting to happen with Aaron Gordon, which honestly, I thought he might even fall a little more in ADP than he has. But what I'm going on here is I never take any chances. Look at the other names on my board, Josh, so far. I, I've gone with the tap-in at every point. Boring, probably going to beat their ADP by 5 to 10. Nothing exciting. They're not going to blow the roof off the thing. They're not going to win you your league, but they're definitely not going to lose you your league. I'm finally rolling the dice here. And I'm rolling the dice because, and I don't know if this sticks, because I'm not in the Magic training camp or what's going on with Steve Clifford, but after the All-Star break last year, Orlando dramatically changed that the, the way they play their offense. They started engaging teams in a very non-Steve Clifford-style basketball, which was fast, it was pace, it was work through Aaron Gordon in a high post situation at times. And I don't think he keeps this number quite so high, but in those last 10 to 15 games last year, Aaron Gordon averaged close to seven assists per night. I never saw that coming. I thought for sure if he ever got it turned around, it was going to be because he fixed his percentages, which to his credit, field goal percent did get a little bit better late last year, but the free throw percentage was still terrible. But all of a sudden, he became a facilitator on that Magic team. Uh, it helped guys like Fournier. It helped Terrence Ross get into their offense. He focused less on his own scoring and more on you know getting out, running, passing. I think there's at least a chance... I don't say that it's necessarily probable, but I say it's possible that Aaron Gordon had unlocked something new that finally gets him up into that 65 range. And if he can stay healthy, that beats his number here. Um, with Jeremy Grant, he actually, to me, now looks like more the guy that you'd always assume Dan is going to take in this spot, which is a little bit boring. Uh, he'll score more in Detroit because I'm sure they had to promise him more shots or he would have stayed in Denver. But he doesn't rebound well for a power forward type. Uh, he does block some shots, comes and goes a tiny bit. Uh, decent field goal percent, not a great foul shooter. I think that limits Grant a little bit in terms of how high he could end up going this year. And so, screw it. At this point, I'm rolling the dice, and I'm going Aaron Gordon here. I will tack on at the very end uh, before I stop monologuing. Uh, I, I only have Jeremy Grant, like, four slots later so, so i i argued against him vehemently but i do have these guys actually really close but i'm taking the chance here this is the part of the draft where i start to roll the dice a little bit yeah look you know what you might even be convincing me here in aaron gordon because you're looking at his numbers post all-star break he had a triple double he had four games of at least nine assists and he did improve now he's, he's never going to be this strong defensive player but he had two three block games a couple of two block games and if that all comes together it's not about usage to me. It's not about John Isaac's out. He's going to get the ball more. That's not what it's about for him. It's about fixing the percentages and it's about getting some defensive stats and then the assists coming out of nowhere. It's really intriguing. And I don't think Grant is that good. I think that he is going to look absolutely horrible in a featured role. I just don't think it's going to work for him or for the Pistons, but their off-season is a completely different discussion. I can you convince me here. Did I, I get think one? I think I think you got me. I think you got me on this one. Um, Dan's on the board. Danny's on the board. He's... If that post-all-star defensive facilitating <laughs> type role continues, then uh, yeah, he'll be better than Jeremy Grant. So, uh, Dan, you got me here. I'm, uh, I'm changing my mind. We're, we're good. You, you got that one. And let's go, to the right. let's go to the last one. We've got it. Pick number 71. I've got Malcolm Brogdon. You've got Brandon Clark. I love Brandon Clark. I loved him in the draft. I thought he was significantly underdrafted in that draft. Just teams making mistakes after mistakes, which happens every year. And we saw that play out. He was really, really good. 71 is a little high. Yeah, a little he, little. His, um, <laughs> his value, Dan, is really, it's one category. 
it's he has an insane field goal percentage. Like he's he's okay in other areas, but it, it's really one area where he's everything is just concentrated into that category. He's like he hits marginal threes, he steals on blocks, and nowhere near what he did in college. If that comes back, I then forget about. It. Then he, he smashes this number. He's going to play more minutes, I would imagine, with Jaron Jackson out. But the fit with him and Valanciunas in that starting front court's a little clunky. I just think seventy one is. I think it's like it's he's taking him at his ceiling. Pretty much. I'm not yeah, sure how much yeah. better... Unless that defense comes back, I feel like it's at his ceiling. Whereas I think Brogdon, yeah, Brogdon could be a top 50 player if uh, yeah, his percentages return to his uh, Milwaukee days. So I don't think I'm going to be able to convince you of this one because uh, the, the turnover gap here is is yes. massive. And, you know, the the one of the truly large differences in, in kind of what separates where we will have these guys at the end of the year. Um this one for me, again, fits more of my Roto style of play. Brandon Clark is way less exciting in head-to-head because, like you said, field goal percent and turnovers being two of your premier categories, uh, th- that's tough in a head-to-head league. I mean, he might help you win field goal percent on, on a, a week-to-week basis because he is relatively consistent there. Oh, but great. if you're trying to stream, you know, you throw turnovers out the window anyway. So um, I like Brandon Clark a lot. And, it, and I know you do too. I like Brandon Clark a lot because – from a Roto standpoint, this is a good time to get a couple of slightly lower turnover guys. Get him in that that you know eighth, seventh, eighth, ninth round kind of department where you may have some early guys who are racking him up, throwing a couple of guys, sprinkling some guys later with some lower numbers, like a Brook Lopez type, where you're like, all right, look, this is going to get me, this might get me one or two extra turnover points in my Roto league. And head to head, this argument is is going to be really hard for me to make because. I'm in favor of pretty much throwing out turnovers in, in any head to head league. Um, fine. Maybe you don't have to completely punt them. You'll end up with six point guards and forget to draft every other position. Uh, but you know, his, his week to week help to your team is, is pretty largely diminished. Uh, my, my general argument for Brandon Clark is that I, I feel like he just, he's going to be better. There's sort of no way that he doesn't get a little bit better this year. And last season, he was already putting up these strong roto numbers. He was number 80 on a per game basis. He was relatively durable, but I don't even, I'm not particularly concerned about that in 22 and a half minutes. So, you know, let's crank him up to, let's take something pretty conservative here and say he only gets like two extra minutes of ball game. That moves him from 80 to 70 or a little bit higher pretty quickly. So, uh, like you said, this is pretty close to, this is pretty close to wiping out some of his value. I think this is, that number I gave you in the 70s, I think closer to where he finishes as opposed to where you can get him. Um, his ADP is in the 90s, I think. Yahoo has him projected in the 90s, so he should fall a little bit farther. Uh, but I like him to take a small step forward, at least in minutes played. On the Brogdon front, for that one, uh, you know, if you're throwing out turnovers, it's kind of a no-brainer. I'm not going to win this argument. If you are considering the turnover element, you have to wonder a little bit which Brogdon you're going to get this coming year. He was a top 40, top 50 guy until Victor Oladipo came back, and then he was just atrocious the last two months last year. I don't. I think the reality probably does meet somewhere in the middle, and to get a starting point guard in the 7th, 8th, ninth round is generally a win. Um, but for Roto, i probably go Clark for head-to-head. i probably go Brogdon here. Yeah, I can. I'd still probably take Brogdon just because I've find assists uh, the harder category to get a handle on. But if you've got them already, then yeah, the, his value declines. Um, I, I'm hoping that Brogdon's shooting numbers return to a little bit closer to what they were in Milwaukee, but he does have to deal with Oladipo. 
who didn't play with him for majority of last season, and some of his numbers are inflated there. But yeah, you know, I, I I think it's I love Clark. I just think it's a little bit. Look, if his defense comes back though, that's 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 the changer there because he was monster defensively in college, and if that comes back, then he will he will probably be a top fifty player. To be honest, I'm just not banking on it based on what we saw last season. Dan, I will. Uh, I oh, know. I'll give myself that one. Uh, we'll, we'll see how it all. We'll see. <laughs> no, we'll see how we'll see how this all pans out at the end of the year. I hope. Uh, hope guys enjoyed. You guys watching this enjoyed the discussion that uh, that me and Dan had about these players and our different thought processes and ideas behind these guys. Dan, uh, give people a bit of a plug about uh, where they can find you and where they can hear the old uh, Danny Besbris dulcet tones. Yeah, well, thank you for letting me do the the self-shilling here at the end. Um, pretty much everything that I do, you can get through my Twitter account, which is at Dan Bespris, uh, which is great. I really should have had a better broadcasting last name. It's probably easier to just Google search Dan from Hoopball, uh, but Bespris is B-E-S-B-R-I-S. I guess you can, with video, you can sort of see the way I'm saying the letters. Please do give me a follow on Twitter. Uh, I tweet out all of my pods as they come out and uh, anything else I'm working on. Go and, uh, go and check Dan out on Twitter. Go check out the Hoopball pod as well. Dan, thank you for uh, coming on Locked on Fantasy Basketball. It's a blast. Thanks, Josh. Anytime. I, I put on a shirt for you and everything. I'll happily do it again. <laughs> All right, that'll do it for another episode of Locked on Fantasy Basketball. Hope you guys are enjoying what you're seeing and what you're hearing. Don't forget, subscribe Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on YouTube. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya. Locked On Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.